I'd like to introduce you to someone. He was once a pretty ordinary churchgoer, a Christian believer, a pew filler, but something happened to transform him into a man who cares deeply about helping young Christian believers today, assisting them as they navigate a difficult culture that is often so toxic to Christian belief. Why this transformation? Why has he launched a non-profit organisation aimed at achieving all this? And why, in his spare time, does he hang out with hardened atheists? Let's find out. This week, I'm talking to Dean Meadows. Welcome to Respond. Here's your host, Stuart Gray. Dean, hi. Welcome along to the Respond podcast. Man, it is uh, an honor and a privilege to be here with you, Stuart. Um, when you asked me, I was like, man, if there's one person's podcast that I want to be on um, more than any others, it's definitely, definitely yours. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's 100% true, Dean. But That hey. is true. That is true. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. No, thanks for saying that. It's... Um, it's great to uh, to have you on. I mean, you and I have known each other for a few years now. Yeah. How would you describe yourself? What sort of person are you? What 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 gets you up out of bed in the morning? Would you say? Yeah. So, I'm just a naturally, uh, I'm just a natural extrovert. I love people. I love talking with people. I love interacting with people. Hmm. Um, I've been that way since I was. A kid is not something that I've had to develop over time. So what gets me up out of bed every morning? Well, number one, I would say is um, service to the Lord and his church and the promoting of his gospel. The second thing that gets me up in the morning would be obviously my my family, my lovely wife, Hillary, and my two daughters, mm. Nora Grace and, and Ren Mercy. Yeah. Um, third would be definitely my work with... The Daily Apologist. I serve as the executive director for that organization, and it just really is um, uh, a dream. I wouldn't even say job. I get to wake up and just live my passion every single day and to work with a group of people there um, from the board to the content creators, writers, editors. Um, it's just an amazing group of people that are uh, just bless me every day uh, knowing that I get to work work alongside them and and serve in the kingdom alongside them as well. So that's what wakes me up in the morning. So the Daily Apologist, what would you say the the purpose of of this organization is? What's your what's your goal there? Yeah, so we we aim to provide social media content for young people that high school to uh, young adult college age range because one of the the shocking things that uh, you know we've seen from it doesn't matter how many polls that you do whether it's Pew Research whether it's Barna is that secularization of American society is growing rapidly mm-hmm. the the rise of the nuns the N O N E S group the, the, those that are religiously unaffiliated atheist agnostic 
over the last decade and a half, two decades, it's really shot up. 25% of the American society right now classifies as nuns. That's a fourth of 330 million people. And so for us, we kind of took a deep dive um, and said, all right, well, where's this, where's the surge coming from? And it's coming from that 15 to 25 year old group. That'd be the millennials and the Gen Zers who are really right. driving that train. And so we want to meet them on the mediums that they use social media, YouTube, um, and, and try and provide answers for questions that they might be considering um, or questions maybe that they uh, haven't considered now, but will come across later. And if I could, I'd like to share a story that kind of drives that point home, yeah, if great. that's okay. So there's a young lady that I've known for, geez, 15, no, no, not 15, maybe 10 years or so, mm. 10 years. Uh, her name is uh, Kaylee Clary. Um, she's She just got married over the over the weekend. And so- oh, wow. I I had known the Clarys for a long time and, and they uh, had gone to church and still do go to church. Um, every Sunday, Kaylee was a young girl who was at every event, um, went to camp, youth rallies. I mean, I would consider her just from the outside looking in, I would consider her a pillar for her friends spiritually. And then mm. uh, she went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill and she took a couple of New Testament classes with a gentleman by the name of Bart Ehrman. Right. And uh, in her first year, first semester, she gave me a call in the afternoon. And, and the way that our relationship works as friends, I'm kind of like I, I'm kind of like Big Brother. She's sister, so I usually call and check up on her. She she rarely calls to check up on me. So when she called me at, I think it was like two or three in the afternoon, I was like, man, this is either a spiritual thing mm. or this is a boy thing. And I can handle the boy, right, <laughs> as the big brother. But she said, hey, I'm taking this class with, you know, Bart Ehrman. And, you know, it's supposed to be Jesus in film. And it's it's not that. And, um, you know, we're really talking about, you know, the reliability of the New Testament, reliability of the Gospels. And I just have some really deep-seated questions and and they're causing some pretty serious doubts. And so not every kid has somebody, I mean, I was in the master's program at Biola taking scripture canon and authority at the time. So it just kind of aligned, but, but not every college kid has that person that they can call. Right. And say, Hey, let's walk through this. A lot of them are just stranded because um, their parents don't know the issues um, their church leadership doesn't know the issues, and they're, so, so they're just kind of swimming in this sea of of doubt. The preacher for thirty years doesn't have an answer. You know, maybe one of the church leaders, the elders, the deacons don't have an answer. They've been in the church for thirty years. All these people I know that've been in the church for 25, 30 years don't have an answer. But this guy over here who's teaching in university, he does. Mm. So I guess I got to go with his answer. Um, and so after that. I got together with a gentleman by the name of Jack Lipsy and Brian Cunningham and said, fellas, we, we've got to do something um, to, to add to the cause. So that's kind of the origin of yeah. the daily apologist. So if I, if I just summarize that then, so it's a, a Christian ministry where you want to help and uh, support folks 
Christian folks who are are doubting um, their faith, who are facing yeah. the challenges that uh, are out there today. And by the way, I mean, I'm sitting here in Britain and, yeah, our, our culture's the, the secular the secularization of culture has been uh moving forward quite rapidly for for quite some time and it, so the daily apologist is is uh, uh helping christian believers to remain anchored in a a time where ideas can can challenge and and and, and blow christians off course is that right yeah we're we're basically there for the person in the pew now for someone that has got a vague awareness of the word apologetics, but perhaps views it in a, a negative light or is is unaware of, of what that's about. I mean, you and I met uh, at Biola University on a, a, an apologetics degree program. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've spent a bit of time... Uh, investigating these things i mean can you summarize what you think apologetics is is about you know what it's at the at the base at the base level at the foundation it's answering the question why do you believe what you believe as a christian right that's how i would i would phrase it why do you believe what you believe in promotion of uh the gospel of jesus christ from my own perspective i think it's something that you know the bible encourages christians to do um the classic passage really that people often turn to when when thinking about these things is in the new testament it's 1 peter 3:15 in that passage peter's talking about in your hearts peter says revere christ as lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. And that word apologetics, you know, it comes it comes out of that Greek uh, word that, that we translate, uh, give an answer or a defense. It's, you know, giving a, a reasoned response um, to why Christianity is so important. And it sounds to me like that's just what the, the Daily Apologist is set up to do. That's definitely our aim, and that's one of the key verses that I think um, all people who are involved in apologetics goes to and references. You, you're a, a real resource for, for Christian believers. Um, do you ever seek out people that are not yet convinced about Christian belief? Oh, absolutely. I would say that on on average, I probably talk to more people who are not Christians than I would talk to uh, Christians with okay. regards to these these subjects. All right, interesting. So, how did you how did you form those those relationships? Yeah. So a lot of uh, trial and error and personal experience for sure. My my first really significant exposure to people who were um, skeptics, atheists, agnostics, wasn't necessarily in high school. It was really when I got into the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps, hmm. um, and served there because um, you you get people from all types of different backgrounds, sure. upbringings, belief systems. And so really, uh, boot camp is where I first uh, engaged with people who 
believe differently than me with regards to the existence of God and the truth of the Christian worldview. And I, at that point, I just kind of shrugged it off because I had, I had at that time what I thought more important things to to worry about, like surviving that day of boot camp. <laughs> Uh, the next, yeah, the next significant time where I can remember actively engaging with people would be in my on my deployment in 2006 to Fallujah, Iraq. You can't help but get to know the people that you're deployed with because the majority of the time, well, not the majority of the time, all of the time, mm. <laughs> you're with them either in the in the Humvee while you're driving the road. Uh, or in the barracks, um, or playing basketball. If you happen to have a place where you could go play basketball, right. and so you just you just naturally learn to to get to know people. Because if you've got a mission for five days, or if you got a mission for five hours or six hours, you're not just going to sit in the Humvee and not say anything. That that would be really awkward and really weird. So you get to learn about people and where they're from. And even then, I would say that. Um, I didn't have, uh, answers to some of the things that they brought up, but I kind of simply just dismissed it, um, offhand because, you know, I was kind of of the mindset, well, they're, they're a skeptic, they're an atheist. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, if they would just sit and read their Bible or, you know, go to church, then they would be perfectly okay. And they've chosen not to do that. So obviously they're going to think that God doesn't exist. Mm. That really didn't develop um, any serious doubt in me until the end of my deployment. Um, There were some significant situations that took place while I was in Iraq that really, um, so every now and then, you know, to, you know, to, to keep guys fresh, you would, you would have to serve a, uh, a night or two on guard duty, um, at the barracks there. And so that's often a time, obviously you're, you're being diligent at the front at the gate that you're at, but um, it does serve for a lot of, of downtime to seriously think and process about everything about life back home, about how your family's doing about, you know, the mission that you've been on and you're worried about the mission that you're not on. Cause man, well, what if something happens and you, you know, for me at least, um, I can vividly remember just one night looking up into the Iraq sky, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stars. And I really looked at that and said, you know, am I sure or am I reasonably confident that what I believe is, is true? And I couldn't answer yes with that. I couldn't, I couldn't say that, um, you know, if I were to, uh, if, if someone were to come to me or, or at some point, if I were captured, I just, I just go to the extremist. If, if Al Qaeda captured me tomorrow and they put a gun to my head and asked me, you know, if I thought that Christianity was true, I don't know that I said, I don't know that I could answer with any type of reasonable certainty that it is true. And that bothered the mess out of me. And so we were on our way out. So it wasn't like we were any real, uh, danger comparatively. <laughs> mm. And so I said, you know, what I'm going to do is when I get back home, I'm really going to look into this stuff. And so I got back home 
went to school at Longwood University for a couple of semesters. And during those two semesters, I remember picking up The God Delusion by mm. Richard Dawkins and said, I need, I owe it to myself to read this. Didn't even really know who Richard Dawkins was at the time. I just saw the book, The God Delusion, picked it up, read it, and was stunned by it, mm. um, was blown away by it. And I was like, okay, if this guy is correct, then I'm in some serious trouble, but I still need to read some more. So, so I, I did that. And then I said, okay, well, what are the counter arguments here? And are the counter arguments any good? And that's when I, that's when I came across, um, initially Lee Strobel mm. and then, uh, William Lane Craig is yeah. who I can't end up coming across. And so I came to the determination at that point in 2000 and what is that? Eight or so that Christianity was true, but, but never was really heavily into apologetics per se, or engaging with, with atheists. Um, and then I went to preaching school, the Bear Valley Bible Institute and took apologetics with Dr. Brad Harib, um, who's the CEO of think magazine. And that's where it started. Mm. That's where I started to get into. All right. It's not enough just to sit on the sideline. Okay. It's time to go out there. Son, prepare yourself and go out there and start engaging. And initially my engagement was Stuart. My engagement was horrible. Felt entitled from the, from the war. I'm owed everything because I served. Mm. Um, and then I started to get, you know, enough, enough knowledge and apologetics to be uh, arrogant and get my butt kicked online. And so that's just what I did. I just went and I just trolled atheists all the time. And the funny thing about that is, is that no atheist really wanted to talk to me. I never converted an atheist. And I sat there and it's like, well, why? Mm. Um, and then I realized it was, it was my approach. My approach was, was really bad. The interesting thing here is the, the impact that, the new atheists have had on culture, you know, Harris, um, Dawkins, it's had a, an impact on, you know, popular culture and online. Um, it's, it continues mm -hmm. to be there and, and resonate even years after you've got a bunch of friends, yeah, yeah. uh, online that promote their atheism quite aggressively. Um, they do. And they, I guess um, you could call them uh, apologists for atheism, uh, maybe. I'm sure they would, or they may not like that description. But um, <laughs> now I, I've, I've got wind of something about you, Dean. I've learned something. Um, sometimes, What's that? sometimes I think you call them up during the show. Um, is that right? <laughs> no, I, I definitely do. Um, and kind of how that has formed is I learned a very valuable lesson back in 2017, our fir my first year at residency. Oh, at I remember that, yeah. But Bi Biola from, from two guys that uh, I never thought that I would ever uh, meet or, or anything like that. And, and that's Sean McDowell and, and Mike Lacona just kind of set the backdrop. Um, Sean is a master mm. at meeting people where they are mm. with genuine, with, with genuine, 
uh, humility and concern. And, and so is Mike Lacona. I remember we were in class and Dr. Lacona and I had a, uh, a big disagreement and then he just sat there and uh, let this, uh, let me rail on him. Mm. And then at the end of class, I know Sean, Sean was just like, Hey, he's got to get ready for summit ministry. And I was still pegging him. I was not going to give it up. And finally, Dr. Lacona just looked at me and he goes, you want to talk about this over dinner? And I was like, wow, I've been railing on this guy pretty much anytime I have a chance to get on him um, about, you know, whatever we were talking about. And now he's going to sit there and invite me to dinner. That showed me something that the best way to go about making your point or seeking to influence people uh, is not to yell at them the same way that they're yelling at you, but to meet them where they are. And so um, I had decided after that, that, you know, um, part of what we need to do as Christians is to be bold. Mm. And if we've got the, if we have the truth, which I believe that Christian worldview is true, then, then I shouldn't be, shouldn't be afraid to call in to some atheist talk shows and have a dialogue, you know, about the truth of Christianity, regardless of how they act. Mm. (laughs) Um, and, and you know, I mean, how does it go? I mean, are they, are they yeah, generally so, positive? Well, there's, well, there's, um, there have been some times where it's been a little testy. It kind of depends on, on the host that that's there. I can only recall, um, two times where I've called in and the host has just been, um, very aggressive, very abrasive. Mm. Um, and there's even, even one host, um, that, 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 well, I think both of them did. They cursed at me or used multiple expletives during the course of the dialogue. Um, and I just, I just kind of laughed at it. Um, but, but overall the times that I've called into atheist talk shows to have a conversation, the conversation has gone very well. The conversation has been cordial, even if it's passionate, a passionate disagreement. That's great. Um, so, so yeah, um, that's kind of the, the synopsis I would say overall of the times that I've called into some atheist talk shows. Okay. So would you say you've got a goal in mind, um, for engaging with these guys? Um, you mentioned the experience with, with Sean and Mike and, and Mike's way of engaging with you in a gracious way as, as being a real inspiration. Can you really do that? remotely by by kind of dialing in or do you have some other goal uh, as you're as you're doing this yeah so it seems like there's there's two questions there you know hey what's the goal and how do you act that way once you're in the throes of of the conversation mm. and so i do have a multi-leveled goal of why i call in um one is i really do think that because of the church's lack of uh, focus on the intellectual side of Christianity, there's a multitude of Christians who are just scared of the skeptic and scared of the atheist because they don't want to hear something that they're not prepared for. Right. Um, So my first goal is, and and also because of that, that's a, a group within the population in America, at least that's growing, but we're not actively reaching out to, we're not actively um, you know, we'll set aside funds to help people, you know, that are, are poor or will help with the, um, you know, crisis pregnancy center. Those are all good and well, and we should do that. 
but but rare rarely in the in the budget meeting does anybody say hey how much time are we going to spend reaching out to atheists right and so um the new the new testament the new covenant that jesus established says go in to preach the gospel to everybody mm. and they seem to be in the category of everybody <laughs> but they were but they're but they're neglected and so my first thing is i love these people yes. um and i want to see them you know be Christians. And I, and so that's my first goal. My second goal is I would like to hope that my efforts can at some point serve as an example to others who might watch that video, be right. watching at that time. Right. Um, to say, listen, as Christians, we don't have to be afraid of those dialogues mm. uh, and afraid of engaging on the intellectual grounds with, with the skeptic. I just heard uh, a PhD candidate uh, from Duke, who's in the New Testament, call into a, a an atheist show the other day, and basically said, "Well, when it comes, essentially said, when it comes to to evidence, um, you know, the the atheists have the ground there." And I'm just like, I'm sitting on the other end. I'm just like, no, that's that's not the case at all, mm-hmm. unless you think that religion just serves as some type of utility for for mankind or for for humanity. So, and then the third, the third goal is, um, you know, after, after that, I, I also want to try and break down stereotypes that are projected on atheists, but also that atheists might project onto Christians in those conversations. Well, I've got to say, I've had to listen to some of these interactions that you've had, Dean, and I, I was so impressed with the way that you, you spoke to these guys. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I heard one where they were were quite unpleasant to talk to. Um, the way you replied to them in a gentle but firm way uh, spoke to me uh, as a as a Christian as I'm listening, and uh, I've I've got to think that that folks listening as they as they hear the way that you speak, uh, it's got to register in some way. Um, Based on what you said about about Mike Lacona's in, input or influence there, you know I can I can certainly see that influence uh, in the way that you are conducting yourself with them. So I mean you've you've got my respect in that absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate that. Not saying that I'm I'm perfect at it. There's certainly been some episodes where uh, I mean I haven't you know popped a blood vessel or anything, but, but I have gotten frustrated before. So, so I'm not perfect at it, but you know, you know, I, you know, you know, me, some of the listeners or the majority of the listeners won't, won't know this about me, but I, in a weird way, I kind of get a kick out of it when, when I get uh, cursed at and, and talked down to, uh, in some of those instances, one because nothing they're going to say is going to be compared to some of the things that were said to me at boot camp uh, as a as right. a marine recruit. But two, I've always had the the moniker of um, uh, he who curses first at the opponent loses, <laughs> right? So if we get to the point where we're supposed to have a reason argument, and the only thing that one can draw is expletives to describe me or my argument, then mm that just means that they probably don't have anything uh in the tanker in the holster to to counter the arguments 
Well, that is inspiring to me. It's uh, it's encouraging to me too, um, not to take um, things personally, uh, and um, and actually to, to see the big picture of of what might be going on in in uh, in the conversation. So thanks, thanks, Dean. That's uh, that's really helpful. Um, and and real quick, if I could, I'd like to share one more story, kind of how sure. it how it also goes. I mean. I'm not suggesting that anybody do this if you're not ready for it. Um, certainly don't want to promote um, doing something that will negatively affect your, your conscience. But one of the ways that I really started to develop these relationships was, yeah, last summer I was doing a youth rally um, at Dripping Springs, Texas. I didn't have a place to stay. But I knew that 30 minutes away from Dripping Springs was Austin, Texas. And that's where um, the atheist community of Austin um, right. is grounded. And I knew that there were a bunch of atheists there that I had engaged with before online. Um, and one of them was uh, Eric Murphy. Right. He's the, the host of, of Talk Heathen. So I um, messaged Eric on Facebook and said, hey, I know that we haven't met. And I know that we've dialogued before online. I need a place to stay for this youth rally. Is there any way that I could stay at your apartment? Yeah. And it was a long shot. And and Eric came back and said, sure, I'll pick you up at the airport. Let's go. The first time that I met Eric Murphy was him picking me up at the airport at in Austin. And we got to his house, his apartment at, um, I think it was like 1130. And we didn't go to bed till four 30 in the morning because as soon as I laid my luggage down, we started having conversation. Mm. And then after, after I did the youth rally and worshiped in the morning, I decided that I was going to go down to the ACA, um, the atheist community of Austin. I told Eric I was coming. I was hoping that Eric wasn't going to make an announcement, but he did. And so here I am, you know, I was a little nervous to be frank. I was nervous because I was like, I'm going to walk in there with church clothes on and then I'm just going to get ganged up on mm. That's the stereotype that comes through. But I stepped foot on that, on that place, on that property and um, was treated exceptionally well. And, you know, when there was a break between shows, everybody was outside having fun and there are still conversations going on. I'm not saying that weren't some passionate conversations yeah. uh, that took place, but that's where I met like Eric Murphy and Vila Bianca, Jenna Belk, uh, Matt Dillahunty and a, a, a crew of people um, there who I still have a conversation with uh, very frequently. And here's kind of the thing that I want to want to bring up. We've got to get past the shock value of engaging with an atheist as Christians, it's a way to, to build that bridge, not saying that you should do it if you're uncomfortable with it, but if you can do it, you know, that's an excellent way to, to build that bridge. It's very acts 17 ish. Yes. Uh, with Paul at the Areopagus. And so right. I just want to encourage people that build up your defense first, right? Expose yourself to the other side, engage and consume the material until you have a working knowledge of it. And then just get after it. Just yeah. get after it. Um, we've got to be, uh, pl plus, you know, I want my kids to see that. I want my two daughters to see that their dad is not only promoting the truth internally 
within the church and within the house, but he's not scared to go out there and, and engage with those arguments. So that's the other, I guess, point for motivation for, for doing that. It's good stuff, Dean. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your time today. Just unpacking it, understanding where you're coming from and being inspired by it. Um, it, I'm sure it raises questions for folks um, as, as they're listening love to speak to you again about it in, in the future but just to finish i mean have you got anything new um and exciting coming up through the the daily <laughs> apologist that you want to talk about i'm currently finishing up a podcast series on jonathan steingard's deconversion oh yeah and then right after that it kind of flows in with this episode i'm doing a series um in july called when the youtube atheist comes to town where i invite some of the very people that I've met from the ACA to sit down and have a dialogue about who they are, um, what happened, why did they deconvert, what were the reasons by their, behind their deconversion. And then we talk about some arguments. What do you think is the best argument for Christianity? What do you think is the worst argument for Christianity? Sure. And we dialogue about those things, right? So there are going to be some exciting uh, episodes there. So look for those in July. And then we are in the process of developing a, a new website. And what we'll have on that website is, is designed for the layman. It's a uh, online training center where you can go and you can watch uh, a series of videos that are no longer than uh, 10, 15 minutes along with the interactive PDF. So that as you're watching the video, you can type in the notes to the questions on the PDF and, now you've got your notebook that you can study. And once you've studied that, you can now teach that to your fellow brothers and sisters uh, in the church. And it, and it's free. So it doesn't great. cost anybody anything. We want to create apologists in, in the pews. We're in a little bit of a transition. I uh, hopefully in October will be studying at uh, Oxford university. So we're, we're navigating that. And I look forward to that um, studying at a Wycliffe hall, um, you know, just developing my skills, um, deepening my faith, my relationship mm. with God. Absolutely. And it's a really exciting time at the Daily Apologist. And I thank you for for allowing me to to share that with everybody. How do people find the, the website? Right. So www.thedailyapologist.com. Okay. Um, we're also on social media. We're on Instagram, The Daily Apologist. Facebook page is The Daily Apologist. Twitter is uh daily underscore apologist uh we're also on pinterest as yeah. the daily apologist people there you still go use that wow people st people still still use that and so um and if you have a question um you can email us at the daily apologist at gmail.com yeah. and we'd be more than happy to i'll, I'll try and answer those, those questions so I'll, I'll put those details in the in the show notes dean cool thank cool. you so much for your time Thank you for the invite, man. I can't believe that, uh, you know, time is already up. Yeah, but um, bless you, Dean. And um, yeah, take care out there. Bless you too, Stuart. And for all you guys listening, equip yourself to engage culture. 